I'm also uh, I'm also live on um, Instagram. What do you think about this tactic of mine? Like a minute or two before the show, go live on Instagram to try to also get people to come over to the YouTube station. Do you like that? I love it. I think it's I think it's awesome. I, you know what's interesting? So, like, I just went live on Instagram, and it says, like, 70, 82 people tuned in, 88, and, like, the number's climbing. But what's weird is is I'm shadow banned. I'm, I can't even believe that they let me go live on Instagram anymore. You don't need to. Look at that <laughs> hair. Look at that hair. All that collagen, baby. Coming in hot. Look at my guest, you guys, this morning. His hair, his hair might be more whacked than my hair this morning. (laughs) Adam Von Rothfeld. Maybe I should put a hat on. I didn't realize. No, 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 no. What would I make fun of the whole show with Brian gone? (laughs) That's great. That's great. Guys, uh, I'm about to go live. I no, we are live on the Sevon podcast on the YouTube station. We have Adam Von Rothfelder. Um, I actually called him Andrew last night when I was speaking to Matt O'Keefe. I apologize, but he's done a lot of fascinating stuff, and he is also, um, most importantly, uh, the founder and CEO of Strong Coffee, which ended up in my kitchen cabinet, and therefore, now I have Adam on the show. Anyway, check it out. Hey, brother, I love and appreciate all you do with your boys. Thank you for investing in your kids. My pleasure, brother. It's an honor to be a parent. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, what's up, Adam? Thanks for coming on, man. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I uh, I feel very proud that uh, my coffee has made your made its way into your kitchen. So. Yeah, I did you did you do you have a team like how did i I have no idea how oh mike sour came straight from ig live thank you how did that end up in my kitchen do you know dude i broke into your house no i (laughs) snuck in the kitchen um you know uh i have a there's a little backstory to it so this kid mike um who's a huge fan of yours uh just a mega fan of crossfit He's now like 30 with kids. He has three boys. What? And yeah, yeah. He has three boys. Um, and it, he's maybe like 30, 31, maybe. It's okay. Young, right? And I met him when he was 16 years old at the gym, uh, at the squat rack. And he was telling me he couldn't squat, but he wanted to get big like me. And I was like, bullshit, you can't squat. You just got to learn how to hold your hold your abdominal a certain way, your pelvis a certain way, like and increase your ankle flexion, taught him how to squat. Now he's like a CrossFit coach. And funny story though, he actually threw a party in my house uh, and uh, without my knowledge when he was 17, 18 years old. So good dude. Good dude. It's genius. Um, so he was, he had the idea to send you coffee. I brought him on as a, uh, as a intern and focusing on uh, the CrossFit community and which is like what we're really focused on um, as a company uh, because we feel like we just have a great product for the type of people. And I've, I've been around CrossFit for a while and Mike really knows it. And he's like, can I send product uh, to this guy? And I started following you too and started following the three plane boys. And it's, I have two girls, but yeah, I, yeah, you sure I do. Them, but I treat them in no way like girl boy it's like 
no, they slack line. I'm, you know, I teach them boxing. I've, I got them their own collie sticks and, you know, we, we, you know, I took them barefoot walking through the Colorado river. Like it's, I'm not, you know, opposed to, I guess, treating a girl like a boy, I guess, if we're going to be like speaking in like the stereotypes that we generally, you know, uh, lay the foundations of our, of the conversation. Um, so that's how it ended up, ended up in your kitchen. Mike sent you the coffee and, uh, he was kind of bummed because you didn't mention it. And he oh. like, he's like, maybe he didn't get it. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, uh, I was like, well, send him another one. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you guys were so cool. There was no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who send me stuff that I just don't mention. Like, I, um, I just meant, and I probably would have never, I don't even know how it got mentioned, but, the, but I was feeling guilty because, because I really enjoyed it. it. It was kind of like when I had Hunter McIntyre on or, um, Jacob Hepner on, I don't want to like these guys. And then I have them on the show and I feel like, Oh, I wish I lived next door to them. Um, and, and like, I felt guilty for liking your product because, you know, like uh, I'm on the Josh Bridges fucking good dudes tip. And, uh, but, but, but the truth is the truth. I really, I, I took that powder from your bag and I started mixing it in my milk every morning. And I was like, Oh shit, this is the shit. (laughs) Cold, cold, whole milk, raw, whole milk. And I put a scoop of that in there and spin it around. And uh, run out the and run out and that would be my breakfast and then I would just run out the door and I'm not a supplement guy really I'm not a uh, I don't do like um, protein powders or any of that shit. But. Yeah, one I'm jealous that you have raw milk. Uh, that was the hardest part about leaving California, is not having raw milk anymore. Um, I got to try to find a farmer. I mean, I'm in I'm in Texas. I got to find him. <clears> There's got to be a guy. There's got to be a guy. The gas station near my house sells it. Isn't that funny? <sighs> That's amazing. I know Uh, that's absolutely amazing. I have, you know, it's funny. I have drank the powder you're talking about is the morning fix product. I have drank that every morning for three years and I've never tried it in milk. I I need to do that. I need to try some, I need to, I mean, I think obviously whole milk would taste much better than this. Dude, I took a, a swig of milk for the first time in maybe like 10 years and I was blown away with how sweet it was like conventional milk. Like, yeah, you know, like, the grass fed good milk, organic stuff. That's like sitting at whole foods. You drink it. And I'm like, is that vanilla milk? Is it like sweetened? I'm like, what the hell? You know, no wonder I used to drink a gallon of that shit a day when I was a kid. It was, I, I think I probably went 10 or 15 years without milk too. And then I had kids maybe longer, maybe it was 20 years. Who knows? But then I had yeah. kids and we ended up with milk in the house. They went from the boob to some like milk in the fridge. And then now I, I just, it's, it's kind of a treat for me. I don't drink a lot of it, but it, I, it kind of, it's kind of like a meal replacement. Like yeah, yeah, if I'm running late, I just different. drink a big cup. Yeah. yeah. Milk, very different, you know, on a metabolic nutritional density level. I mean, everything, the, once you homogenize, you know, and everything else that is going, you know, the process of dairy, it's, it's really not even, it's just white milk with sugar, you know? So, um, yeah. And- and then the and then so so Mike sends the coffee over, and then the next weird thing is is I was trying to answer all my DMs before I left to go, the house to go to the beach the other day, and somehow our paths crossed on your strong coffee Instagram, which is I, rare. I'm never really on that. <laughs> okay, so, so our our paths crossed on there, um, and I think I was just waiting for my wife to get in the car, and. Uh, 
we started talking. It was the first time we'd ever talked. And ironically, I had tried to – when uh, Mike had sent the coffee, he had also sent a strong coffee hat. Mm-hmm. And I was going to wear it at the beach, but it didn't fit my head. It was like a kid's hat. And so I had it on my kid, you know, and the, the timing was just crazy. So then I sent you a picture of my kid wearing your hat. And then yeah. I was like, shit, this is, uh, this is the universe saying have uh, – or I don't know if it's the universe saying it. Someone saying it. Yeah, uh, man. Universe, why not? Ha- have Von Rothfelder on That's the – podcast and then so so you had you were on a podcast um can you see the youtube are you looking at youtube now by any chance do you have two windows open uh me no i'm looking at you and me talking right here but i do not have two windows open oh okay ryan do you think you could pull up so you were one of the hosts on the barbell shrugged yeah 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 podcast and 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 brian could you pull that up i want to so I, I'm trying to think. I, I don't listen. I never listened to podcasts, but I think that you guys did one many years ago. Um, but I knew you guys because I would, you know, for some reason I would just see that picture of four guys standing next to microphones interviewing well, people. So one real, one quick thing to note. So there was a couple of co-hosts. Um, I, <clears throat> I was the co-host three years ago for almost almost a year, about like little, like eight months, something like that. Um, which is when I launched strong coffee, Alex Mc, I, I can never remember how to pronounce his last name. It was Alex, Doug, Mike, and, um, another individual, uh, that originally started the podcast that were the four guys. And it kind of just changed over time and shifted. And when Mike Bledsoe, who was the main host, left, yeah, what's that guy look like? I want to see that guy. I hear that Mike guy's Bledsoe name a lot. Was, uh, like a like a lean dude, uh, blonde. Was he hair, a professional blind. football player? Is there a Mike Bledsoe who's a professional? Football uh, yeah, player? there is a Bledsoe, but it's that's not him. Mike's like oh. five eight. He, he ah. could may not be a quarterback. Um, well, I guess that's not true. I mean, that the, Mark Burnell was like a five eight quarterback in the NFL. So. Um, the uh, the uh, barbell shrug though, what ended up happening is there was a big dynamic shift of the podcast that Mike Bledsoe, who was the main host, wanted to leave, and their friend Anders Varner and Doug Larson um, were going to continue the show, and they asked me to come on after an interview, and we just got along really well, and I was good at just being part of the conversation, and it was an incredible time. Uh, I got to, I mean, like three years prior, like those same people kind of blew me off at a, at an event, you know, when I was like trying to talk to them and then, you know, three years later, they're asking me to co-host their show with them. You know, it's, it's, you know, just kind of like putting in the work to put yourself in that place. And, you know, did I have the time to do it? Hell no. But I like made the time because it was an opportunity. I wasn't going to let, you know, go. And I got to interview some incredible people. Um, but really it like gave me the opportunity to really like get to know CrossFit because I kind of always like outwardly spoke, um, against it in some manner and not the sport, but the use of like fitness, like, and just kind of like some of the things that I saw from like the, the, the top, um, that I just didn't like agree with, uh, you know, early on. And it like really changed my mind based on the community. I was like, oh, the community is what makes it. I get it now. Like, I totally get it. Like, these people are amazing. 
Um, and I've become really good friends with like Sam Dancer and, you know, some of these people now. Um, Sam Dancer is a part owner of Strong Coffee. Even. Uh, it's interesting to hear you say all that because I have a totally obviously um, – not, I guess not obviously different perspective, which is totally fine. It's not to say that <laughs> yours right. is wrong. Uh, yours is wrong at all. I think my, my perspective is, is that the community is a, um, is a giant, is a giant misunderstanding that, that everyone's a vault was a volunteer for Greg Glassman's experiment. And, uh, and they think that they're and they're the community is built around, their participation experiment totally different, but 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 irrelevant, but irrelevant here. No, no, in, in- no. So I like I, I like this because I didn't like Glassman. Okay, right. That was my thing. I used to do memes about him being an idiot. Okay, right, and him being a narcissist. Right, like those are like <laughs> you. No one can see Ryan, but Ryan, just so everyone, <laughs> we can we can see Ryan. Um, Adam and I can see Ryan, and Adam probably doesn't know, but Ryan knows that I speak to Greg every day, and that I'm very close with Greg, and so Ryan's what? Ryan's loving this. But don't don't edit a goddamn no, thing, Mister no, no. Roth. And, and you know what, Von Rothfelder, you let it, let me let me hear about this asshole Glassman. Go for it. No, no, no. And it's it was only because of how I saw it being put on like the type of the, 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 the type of like way he would communicate to certain people that I knew. Right. Right. That I did not appreciate. Yeah. Right. He didn't really, he, I don't think Greg ever respected anybody. No, that's well. And that's, that's, and, that's a narcissist, right? Because you don't have empathy for other people and their feelings which is a, a lack, which ultimately shows as a lack of disrespect. Generally speaking, I don't know him personally. Right. I'm not going to say I, I, I don't hate anybody. Right. I don't, I didn't like him Right. So to be who I am, which like I am, I'm, I can be a polarizing figure. Right. I was very against it. The most popular form of fitness being a guy in the fitness industry. If I just would have went along with CrossFit after my MMA career, I would have been like, like upward trajectory of like, you know, fitness on a different level, but I was like very like against the grain right. um, because of what I saw. And it, you know, the, the, the thing that I was the most proud of to jump back to barbell shrugged a little bit was like the interview that I held with Emily Abbott when I was like, when she got popped and I was like, you need to fly down. You need to talk about this right now. You need to just put your story out there. You just need to talk. Right. And it, that was the number one listen to Barbell Shrug podcast. Like, I think like in history, it had the most greatest initial downloads. And, it, you know, at the time, again, everything is like one-sided. I'm only hearing one side of it. And I understand like, you know, some a lot of things shifted in 2020 with CrossFit that definitely like showed the lack of respect or just kind of like the abrasiveness of it. And I'm not made of sugar. Like you want to talk to me like, I'm a, you know, whatever, like I've had plenty of coaches talk to me a certain way. Like if you're still a good coach, but you're an asshole, like I'll, I'll put up with you to a certain extent. But I, I think like that, you know, the extent was met. So I think like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Now the, now the, now the lecture, now that CrossFit's inclusive, um, the lectures aren't free on YouTube anymore. You have to pay $250 for them. I love it. I yeah. Love that's in- crazy. I, I mean, love, I-, I love inclusivity. Yeah. I can tell that's uh, I can tell that sarcasm there. Um, oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, well, going back to Emily Abbott, I really, really 
really like Emily Abbott. I um, I, I, unfortunately, I haven't had her on the podcast yet. Um, I troll her. I looked into her eyes and I just looked at her. I mean, like when she was saying it, like I am a fucking human lie detector. Like my kids get so mad all the time because when they try to lie to me, I'm like, no, you didn't. And they're like, you know, and it's just, I'm like looking at her and she's like telling me this story. She was calling me throughout this situation. Did you know her before? Like you were friends with her? I I had met her. I had met her only months ahead and I was kind of business coaching her on launching her own brand. Um, the psychedelic gypsy fitness stuff. And I, you know, got her a website built through like my team that like built does strong coffee stuff. And I was just trying to like help her along because she wanted to do something more. And I felt something in her, like she was a fire, like she was on fire. She, she caught a really good stride. Um, and like the, the, the regional, you know, uh, or the sectional was regional or sectional, like it catered to her strength. She did really well. And then she gets popped for some like microscopic amount of something, you know, that was, you know, and it's like, you know, when I, when I talk to her and I know everything about like how she kind of operates, I'm like, you don't even take Advil. I just don't see you taking this thing. Like, it's like, what, did you ever get to the bottom of that by any chance? What, what, what happened? So, you know, her family, and I mean, I, I, her family has the resources, let's say, to hire a specialist in Europe. Like, so she, her family balls so hard. Motherfuckers want to find her. I think is the right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. And, uh, so she has this specialist and the guy who basically created this SARM basically break down the amount that was in her body and how it was so negligible that he believed the theory that he came up with because she found out that her former boy, you know, now former boyfriend fiance at the time was taking it. Um, and he's, he was like a knucklehead, you know, he was like really like taking a lot of stuff and they were, you know, very intimate and it's a oral um, sublingual. And when you hold something in your mouth, it stores in your oral cavities And so if you kiss somebody, you can pass the saliva through the oral cavity. And that's like what they said, you know, that's like what they came up with as a reason. Truth, you know, only God and Emily actually know. Um, But uh, when I look at her, when I would talk to her about it, even still today, it's still like, it's still a fucking sore subject. Like not a, like I didn't do it. You know, I have a, I have three of the, or, or two of the three qualities that you um, used to describe Emily's boyfriend. I wish I had, okay. I wish that I, I, I wish that I had tried SARMs at one point. I think I'm too old now. Oh no, you're not. You're good. I, oh, I can do it. Okay. Oh. And I wish that I could say Emily Abbott was my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> not going to happen either awesome. uh, I, uh, on them for the most super superficial reasons. I liked her. Uh, I, I love red hair. I thought she was hot as shit. She had big old eyes. And I liked that she was so big. I think that year she was like the biggest girl in the oh, competition dude. at 165. Yeah, she's and, a- and, and then on top of that, she talked all that shit when she won, like not in a bad way, but fun. And I just was just, I just thought she was the coolest fucking ever. But you also described her. I think her ex is a knucklehead. I, that is one. I don't want to be a knucklehead, but the other two things are cool. I mean, you, if you, if you even look at her Instagram right now, like she's barely training at all. 
She's barely training. She is just genetic. She is a genetic freak. Yeah. A genetic freak. If you look at her right now, she hasn't trained hard in maybe like three years. Like since she got popped, she like walked away from CrossFit, started doing like movement, you know, like, you know, movement and shit, just kind of like, right. Handstands, like cartwheels. And she still literally looks like she did when she was competing. It's not like doing it. You know, I don't think she needed an edge. It was her time. And I think that's like what happened, you know, but I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't really know shit. So do do you ever look at um, women as like, and I guess you could look at men like this too, pick whatever you want, but like, you don't even know you're looking at them like this, but, but when the rubber hits the road, you know, like, so like I had this, there was this girl in college I was dating and I really liked her and every, she was so fun. And we, we had so much fun together. Like, like, like just hanging out in the town, hanging out at the beach, fucking just everything we did together. And then she started getting into drugs (laughs) and and then she started getting into like drugs, like, like too much. Like, like, like it was like, uh, a pro some prolonged meth use, like over 30 days. Right. And then, so then I just like lost, um, she she it's it's like these girls on instagram like you you see them and like they're so hot and they have the giant fake titties and they have all the angles but like the truth is like that you, you they're not mating material like i look and so it's kind of interesting like i look you look at someone like emily abbott and you're like oh i could marry her and like she could have my kids and then there's these it's just weird just you don't really consciously think about putting people into these categories but right. there's this, and maybe this is a message to the, to this slew of women out there. And and I would be curious to see how women think about men like this. There's women that um like you might be super duper attracted to, but you really don't want to like you could ne- you would never want them to be the uh, parent of your kids. No, I mean <laughs> you're I like think- I don't I love you. You're so hot. You're so amazing. You're a fucking Barbie doll. Uh, I don't really need you parenting my kids. And it's right. it's a weird uh it's weird it's it's it, it, it's weird. It's weird. It, it, I guess it's like it's like foods like that. There's foods that like there's junk food and then there's like performance food. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's interesting. I so, it's, sorry, one last thing. So to tie back to Emily, she, she's kind of both. She's kind of like everything. <laughs> she'll she'll be very proud to hear this conversation. <laughs> she, she's like she's like she's like she does it all. She could she, yeah she does it all. Like That's, whoever does she have a dude. I don't know. I, I I haven't talked to her much in a couple of months. She, she, uh, someone should hunt her down and get her. That's big game hunting. That could be, that could be like, that's a good, good breeding stock. Good. Everything. Red hunting, big red. Um, and she's entrepreneurial and she's not afraid and she's gone through, uh, appears to be, uh, what's that called when you work on yourself, personal development. She's done. She's doing it all. I mean, it's like diving in deep. Yeah. 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 Becoming your best self. I mean, I think like, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, somebody who has dived deep, right. And has done like the work in, in many ways and has even used, um, you know, uh, AIDS in that, right. Like, uh, whether it's like psilocybin or LSD or, you know, marijuana, um, it's amazing how much of that exists in the fitness world now. And I, you know, Emily is a great example. And like, you know, a lot of that crew kind of is a great example of those people that like do the work inside, you know, and then excel outside. 
And it's pretty phenomenal because I think about me talking about this shit like 15 years ago when I was a fighter and they all thought I was fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I'm like, no man, I'm like, you you know, if you let go of like, like these things inside it, like does the work for you, you know? And, um, and you just become better, less, less, less control, right. You know, or less controllers, less roadblocks. So yeah, man. Uh, so you're, you're, you're good friends with Glassman. So what, what basically happened, um, with like the shift do you think in like the community since he's left, you know, since you were talking about the inclusivity and exclusivity, I'd love to understand that more as well, somebody who doesn't, you know, understand CrossFit as well as I'd like to. How, how old are your kids? My kids are eight and six arrow and Azalea. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is where the struggle begins. Adam has questions. Sevon has questions. <laughs> <laughs> then you ask me the questions, man. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, sorry, I flipped the script on you. I'm sorry I did that. No, you're you're awesome, man. I'm, I'm really I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I, I've talked about this a bunch on your producers really enjoy it too. <laughs> I, I've talked about this a lot on um, podcasts before, and and it's it's. I, you don't realize it when you're watching someone else do a podcast, but like Adam and I are two strangers. And so you have this, we don't know each other and you have this thing going on soon as two people meet for the first time, especially like in a forum with all these other people watching. So on one hand you have like your ego protecting you, but you know, the show will be complete shit if you're not 100% vulnerable. So there's this, and, and you want, you want to be honest and you, yet you want to get along and there's all like, we're, it's basically, I don't know for those of you who've ever done ecstasy or MDMA in a relationship, you basically have like 10 years of the relationship in 30 minutes. And basically that's it. That's what um, you, you kind of have to do on a podcast and, uh, but, but in a way as strange it is to do it with someone like I've never met before, like Adam, it's, it's almost even stranger to do it with your friends, right? Like, so when you have one of your friends on the podcast and you're like asking them questions, but you know, the answers to all the questions already, just, it's yeah. just weird. Yeah. I was just naturally, yeah, I'm like, we're just in a conversation. I guess other people are listening is the way I view this at this moment. I, I, in, in all the, in most, in most of my podcasts, like I'm like super duper crazy controlling. And like, I'm like, I, I start off with like, so where were you born? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? Like just really get to know the person from like this superficial to like peeling back yeah. layers. And then, um, recently I just, and I did that because I, I, I panicked because like, I feel like I'm going to, we're going to run out of stuff. That's going to be interesting. But lately in the last like four or five shows, and I have all these notes, lately in the four, last four or five shows, I haven't been doing that. I've been just letting the conversation go where it goes, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, I like it. Controlled chaos. Emily Abbott's man is Rob Maiden 19. Oh, she has a dude now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Good for her. She's, I mean, you know, uh, des- deserves somebody great. So, yeah, she does. You forgot the shoes. It's all about the shoes. I don't understand that comment. Uh, what will what will last longer, bodybuilding or CrossFit? Um, oh. you, you you want to take, you take that one or no? No, one? I wouldn't even answer that one. But I would go for it. You answer it. Well, I Sometimes mean, I I just like to read the questions. CrossFit is made up of so many things. So I mean, neither one will ever disappear. You know? I agree. They're 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 intertwined now. So. Did you, you got your start in fitness? What did you play sports or did you lift weights first? Mm. Um, so 
I, well, if we start like when I'm a kid, right. I was, uh, I, I was like a, a three sport athlete for like the, from like the age of like five to 12, I was doing, wow. Uh, I was doing karate, soccer and gymnastics. Okay. And I then at like sixth grade, like stopped doing anything, um, for like a year, seventh grade, I, I decided to wrestle. Um, and I was really good. And I, uh, my team was the, I went to Greenfield high school and our, our mascot was the Hawk and we were the hustling Hawks. And I, I won like the hustling Hawk award, like numerous times. And about a month and a half into this season though, I started having really bad migraines and I, uh, I basically got kicked off the team. So I dove really deep. I was like 12 years old, 99 pounds. I dove really deep into nutrition. Um, and a big time and a big shift at that time, my family adopted a paralyzed, uh, boy from the hospital that my mom was, you know, his nurse. Is that the boy I see in your Instagram sometimes? Well, I don't know if he's a boy in your Instagram, but he's in a wheelchair, black kid. Yeah. Yeah. A little black kid, Danye. Yep. That's your brother. That's my brother. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we adopted when he was one, I was 12. All of a sudden the finance, you know, the, the family dynamic shifted like 12 years old. My parents never showed up for another sporting event again for me. Right. It was always kind of like about Donye. And so there was a big shift. So I isolated myself after wrestling and I'm Donye had these nurses and he had two male nurses, one that was a firefighter, um, former Marine. And he saw me like working out like in my bedroom with like these like Reebok weights that I stole from my sister and like a stair stepper, you know, just doing stuff. And, uh, and you're you know, using that term weights loosely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very loosely. <laughs> like, I, I think my mom had those Yeah, exactly. They're like different like, colors and shit. One totally, pound to totally. five pound. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> like six months later though, um, unfortunately, unfortunately my great uncle Bill died and he left me, for no, I have no idea why. Maybe my mom like mentioned that I was like working out or something, but he left me in his will a set of weights, and they were like these old school skinny steel bar, cast iron weights, rusted in the basement, sitting in these orange crates. Um, I still have those weights today, uh, just kind of sitting in storage. Um, so at that time I started lifting weights so and I started reading these magazines because my brother's nurses. Uh, like brought me these magazines. If coincidentally, they both brought me like a stack of magazines. So I started reading through this. Well, I found out that I was like having migraines, uh, because of my nutrition, right. I dove deep into like, like getting away from like dairy, refined sugars. I was somebody who struggled with ADHD. I read something about like fish oils helping with focus and memory, you know? Uh, so I started, you know, asking my mom to buy me fish oils, I got a paper out so I could start buying my own stuff. And by like 14, I had a personal trainer. Um, I hired a guy named by the name of uh, Dan Wiktorik, who was the Olympic weightlifting coach at the Olympic training faci- facility, the Pettit National Ice Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is where I'm from. So I worked with him like two days a week for about four months. And he had this, uh, and then I started working with this bodybuilder coach by the age of 17 named Doug Bates who like the dude was a freak. He could like walk on to a show. He could be in the audience, see that there was no heavyweights. He'd like run in the back, 
fucking take off his underwear, jacket up his ass, take off his pants, jacket up his underwear up his ass, throw on some Jantan, jump, jump on the stage and like win a show. Right. Like he was just like, he was always show ready. And he was, they all like, were like, they both had kind of the same message. <clears throat> move, move better before you move like more. Right. And it was really cool that I had that message early on as you know, before weightlifting my, with my back, I had to like be able to do a certain amount of pull-ups, right. And like all these like things like that, they were, you know, trying to get me to move a certain way. Um, so through high school, that strength training really helped me, uh, excel as a soccer player. And, uh, my senior year, I actually broke, uh, our high school record as a pole vaulter. Um, Holy shit. Wow. You've done it all. And I, I only pole vaulted for one year. It was a bet. Um, I was really fast and I was a gymnast. So I knew that I was comfortable like going upside down and I knew that I could get the speed I needed in a short period of time with that pole in your hand. Like, cause you can't run with your hands. Right. So it's very like power driven leg style. It's not like you're a gazelle kind of shit. It's like, you got to like, whoa, like torque. And, and I knew that I had that and I, I was making fun of these, you know, football players that were all trying when I was a junior and they were a senior and they couldn't do it. And I was like, Oh, I could fucking do that. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And I was like, I can't do it this year. I'll do it next year. Uh uh, (laughs) I had something going on that I couldn't do track season. I can't remember what it was, but, um, I just had a, I got a job. I think that's what it was. And I was trying to save up for soccer camp and all the other kids had like parents that like bought them soccer camps, you know? And I was like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta like do more, uh, in the off season for my senior year, if I'm going to get a scholarship and I ended scholarship up to wear scholarship to wear. So uh, my goal was to, my goal was to play at, uh, UNIC. So university of Illinois in Chicago, UIC university, of Illinois, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a really good opportunity. Uh, but my senior year, I actually fractured my back. Um, how'd you do that? So they, I have what's called like a Parsons defect. So it's like the, the, the Parsons holds the vertebrae that would be like in the center right here in between these two Parsons. So it'd be like vertebrae, two Parsons. I'm missing one of them. And so that vertebrae is like shifting and turning, just shifted and turned slightly when we got uh, my buddy's transmission failed when we were getting on the expressway and we got hit by a semi and it, like merging. And it like kind of just like shook the car very quickly and violently. And my back hurt for the first time ever in my life. And I went and had x-rays and we found out that I was missing that, that Parsons. Isn't our doctors great? Isn't the hospital great? They can tell you, they can just tell you how fucked up you are. Oh my God. You know, if I, I always say, if I just never would have known about it, I never right. would have been like, like it never would have entered my mind. And I started kind of doubting myself a little bit. Yep. Um, I mean, that same year I did do that pole vaulting, but like I had, it took me a little bit to like break out of the, you know, that, that, that thought loop when I was like going in hard on like slide tackles, like I would, you know, or anything like as a soccer player, um, you know, now that I'm 40, uh, you're 40. I am. Yeah. Wow. So now, now at 40, my lower back only hurts because the years of fighting and kicking, I actually externally rotated my left hip slightly. So my hip is just a little off 
uh, on rotation and tuck. It's like posterior tilt. Um, and that's all from all the torque of kicking all those years. It's, it's like a kicker's hip. It's actually pretty common. I wonder if that's why mine hurts from playing six hours of Frisbee stoned and drunk for 10 years. (laughs) I don't know if you're throwing enough torque. Oh man, I would throw a fucking Frisbee far. I would would argue that there was few people who could throw it as far as me. That's Man, there was some crazy torque. I was, I'm crooked to this day. Um, What's what, what city do you live in? Uh, So I now live in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. For some yep. reason, I thought you lived in LA. And and so have you rate? I did for a little bit. I did for a little bit. So we moved from Milwaukee to LA. Spent three and a half years in LA. Moved to Austin for a year and like six months. Pandemic kicked in. COVID. Um, you always hear like people and their regrets with life. Like at the end of their life, like I wish I would have spent more time or like whatever. You know, with the people that I love. Well, I knew that like COVID was going to be like much longer than anybody else was like really anticipating. So I moved uh, my family and I back to our hometown to just spend a year uh, with my mom and my sisters and my nieces and nephews. So we could kind of smart, always good to go back to family. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. And then once things seemed chill in some sense until recently, uh, we were like, let's move. Like Things are good here. So um, we're back in Austin and loving it. There's this Taoist saying, um, all problems must flourish before they come to an end. They, uh, they, yesterday, they, if I, if I read it correctly in the state of California, they mandated vaccines in Los Angeles, uh, County school district for kids who are, for kids who are 12 years and older. It's fascinating because, so this is how I found it out. I was oh. at ten, I was at my kid's tennis practice and um, it, where uh, I'd say um, t- masks aren't requir- required there, but I would say half the kids come with either masks around their wrist or on their neck. You can tell they're ready to put it on at all times. I would say a handful of the kids wear cl- masks during the classes. And um, I, I have a very strong opinion. My kids will never, ever, ever, ever wear a mask under my uh, watchful eye, not even for like two seconds. I have two four-year-olds and a six-year-old. I have no interest in ever training them to wear a mask. And, and the reason why is because I see the damage. I see the damage is done to all the people around me and the message it sends to everyone around them that there's actually something to be afraid of. And uh, I know people are in denial uh, that it actually does that or that it's going to be an easy fix to stop wearing it, but you you were, you were wrong. And I wish you were right, but you were wrong. Um the, the mask does two things. It's a crutch and it tells everyone around you that there's something wrong when there's not. And, and I'm willing to get into that too. But anyway, so, so hey I'm, I'm so, right. There, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, so, our kids have to wear that damn mask to go to school. I understand. And, and it's killing us. But the minute they come out, they rip that thing off because they know it doesn't work. Right. And, and, and no judgment on you. I'm just telling you where I stand. No, 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 no. I know. I don't, don't believe me. I, I judge myself in some manner. It sucks that they have to go to school and do it. And it's like, we've been trying to figure out a way to get around it. But what you, also, what you also see on the other side is if they show up without the mask, the other kids may treat them a certain way because they are afraid. And they like, so it's just, it's just like this psychology. Yes. It's yes. like a psychological fucking, like, it's like juggling axes. You know, yes. like this, like but you would be proud of you'd be proud of your daughter if the principal called and was like, "Your daughter's in the office and she says she just told me to fuck off. I'm never wearing my mask again." You'd be like, "All right, I'll come down there and pick her up." That's 
kind of how my kid is. She's like the one pulling it down her nose all the time and being like, right? Yeah. Like, oh. She's like, what? You know, and Disney World the whole time. She's like taking it down. And we were just like, yeah, I mean, dude, people had to remind us numerous times. And it was like, wear a mask or get kicked out kind of thing. And it was her birthday. And I was just like, fuck, man, this sucks. So I'm at tennis and I hear a handful of, and and I don't sit with the most of the parents. I sit by myself because I I, I know I think differently than a lot of them. And I'm sitting by myself and I hear three of the parents like fucking like getting really like aggressive with each other. Not like mean to each other, but like something's happened. They have some information that they're, they're like dogs tearing at a stake. So I kind of turn my head over and I listen and it's these three parents who are super duper pro mask, right? Like their kids always have the mask. They always wear the mask. You know what I mean? Like when they go through the lobby of the tennis center, whereas I always just wait till someone yells at me. Well, so, and I never, and, and if they tell my kids to put it on, I just ignore them. But I listen to what they're saying and they're freaking out that the kids are now being mandated to get the shot. These are the people who've like, I guarantee you all those parents have the shot. I get, they all wear the mask. They all follow the rules, but now it's gotten too close to home, right? Now they're going to require the experimental injection for kids who are 12 years and up and they're panicking. But I, I want to, and, and part of me is like, I'm so happy that they have a threshold. Like they've reached their limit. Right. But like part of me is like, dude, do you not see, do you not see where this is going? Like cool. this is, do you not see? I, it's so unbelievable to me that it took their their kids being threatened to be injected for them to to realize this. Like this whole time, it, it's um, it's uh. Anyway, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get interesting in Los Angeles. It's gone. It's going to get interesting. Interesting. Um, it really is. I I uh, I can't believe it's gotten this far. It's the words that are being thrown out of, you know, this is not a, this is not a conversation of your freedom or choice. It's a very, it's very, it's, it's bewildering uh, as to how many people are still, you know, sipping on the straw that is connected to the giant bottle that is Kool-Aid, you know? And it's like, I am, I president. The president said yesterday that the, basically that the, that the unvaccinated are the problem. And if and, and basically what what I'm the, the assumption I'm making when he when the president says that is okay the people who are unvaccinated are the ones who are spreading let's let's are are, are, are the ones who are contracting SARS-CoV-2 and spreading it right and so in order to get away from that those people need to get um, vaccinated so that we can all move on to the ne- to the next phase. What's interesting about that is is if you use that same kind of thought. He wants the unvax, the vast, vast majority of people who are dying are the obese, the vast, vast, vast majority. And so we know what the strongest correlate is. And so so really, instead of blaming the unvaccinated with that same thought process, he could he could go to a deeper level and just blame fat people. And I know I know people are like, well, that's harsh. It's, It's not it's not me. It's not my thinking. It's the president of the United States thinking he wants to blame someone. For this problem, soda companies then too. Then I mean, like, aren't we? No, right. Oh, 2013, Mister Adam von Rothfelder made a post in 2013, long before I was hating on type two Coca Cola and its relationship with type two diabetes. Made a post in his Instagram, smashing Coke, and I appreciated that when I saw that in your Instagram feed. Do you remember posting that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I, uh, 
I, I do it. I, I was like, holy shit, this guy's five years ahead of me. <laughs> two, uh, check this out. In 2011, I was walking down the street with my friend who had a, cam- a nice camera. I took, I was talking about grass-fed beef and how I had to do something to increase the awareness of grass-fed beef in, in America, but I was like in Milwaukee specifically. So I took some grass and I rubbed some dirt on my face, took a bite of grass. And I was like, take a photo of me. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great picture. It's if you posted it a few times. So that was a billboard that said better body by grass fed beef that like I sold to a burger company that was like making grass that started making grass fed patties and their sales doubled. Wow. And it was like a campaign that I put on, but like, I've always been like against that shit. Like I haven't had a soda since I was like 12, you know, like, I mean, on it, like I had a sip of like, I can't say that Mexican Coca-Cola because it was like real sugar Coca-Cola. And it reminded me of like when I was like 10 years old, I was like, Oh my God, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, there is a lot of, there's a lot of fucked up, you know, idealistic rhetoric that's being thrown around. And I mean, really what people just need to focus on is like, you do have a choice. You do have, you, you know, you, you are free and don't let anybody tell you like otherwise, right? Like it's, it's, it ultimately is always going to be your choice. You, you, you can stop doing something and get better. And yet you want other people to do something in order to help out your situation. It's classic codependency. We also know that obese people are super spreaders because they have the disease longer. They cough, they cough more and they carry it longer and the viral load increases in them. It's, it's, it's amazing. So now you want us to give up our bedroom so that you can shoot heroin in it. That's basically what it is. You want us to be the codependent of the heroin user. There's this vast, huge amount of the public that's addicted to refined carbohydrates and sugar, and you want us to take the vaccine so that you don't die because there's no threat to us. Yeah, it's I mean, really, it's re- it's really crazy codependency. It's 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 an. Am- but there's why aren't there so many? Why aren't there smart people who get that? How come they don't see? Is is it really? Is, I guess it's hard. It's tough love, right? It's just hard. Hey, man, it's hard to was, kick your kid out. When I was talking to people about, you know, with like presidential choices and stuff like that, and just kind of like hearing both sides, I like all I ever heard on like Biden's side was like, I hate Trump. Yeah. Right. And then you would like hear people on Trump's side say like, I don't believe in these policies and these things that they're saying over here because I don't believe in these people and like their intentions. Right. And like, so By like, the way, that's why I flipped. I got tired of hearing I was a Biden guy, a Hillary Obama guy, and all the hate towards Trump made me look into Trump. And right. and and I was right. like, oh, wait a second. Anybody wait that's hated on that much, anybody yeah. that's hated on that much is usually yeah. doing something that fucking different, which is good, right? Like that's usually a good thing. Right? And I don't want to be a part of the hate. I don't want to be no. part of the hate. No, Sucks. neither do I. I don't, I don't want to hate Biden or Trump. I've tried to like, yeah, I, I tried to like stay away from that. Like I remove that word from my kids all the time. Like if they ever yeah. say, I'm like, do not say that word. You can, you like, can say fuck, but you can't say hate exactly. or disgusting. Totally. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Totally with I you. mean, dude, I have a coffee mug that says, wake the fuck up. My kids say it. They like, they like ah, to- you sent that to me too. It's my wife's favorite cup. Ah, that's so funny. I didn't even know that was from you. Amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep so going. All- sorry. They love reading the coffee mug. They're always like, because they get to say the word fuck, you know, they're like, wake the fuck up, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, guys, I'm like, okay, awesome. it's a word. Um, but yeah, man, I, 
I, I don't want to get stuck on this in any way, but I'm glad that you, you know, you're, you're saying what you're saying because we need more people to say this, uh, this stuff. This isn't political. This is, this is, this is, uh, it's bigger than that, right? Like this is, this is not a political choice thing here. This is a, this is a personal choice in preserving like the same, the liberties that we have, well, you just said a word no one knows the meaning of, by the way, liberties. That's also the problem. Oh, yeah, man. People people think this is about democracy. This isn't about democracy. Title. This is about fucking liberty. And a lot of yeah. people don't understand that. Yep. There's a there's a bell <laughs> that 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 rings that needs to ring. Uh and it's 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 really it's a sad state of uh affairs. I actually did a I, I wrote like a You would love Greg Glassman, by the way. <laughs> you know, you would so fucking great. love Greg Glassman. He taught me all this. He taught me all about liberty. He, oh, he really? basically, yeah. Oh, he taught me all this. He basically said, like, hey, you get somewhere like Egypt where they have, you can't have democracy without liberty because the first thing people will do is vote out democracy. And that's what happened in Egypt. And liberty makes it so you can't vote out democracy. It's, yeah, but you would love him. But I also yeah. understand, I also understand, like, um, like, yeah, he, he, People who deal in the metrics of respect and disrespect, they will never um, be friends with him because he does not I, – I, I've never found him to respect anybody. Yeah, respect for, that, me is a big, respect for me is a big thing. I had a dad who is pretty disrespectful, so I don't really handle um, – I don't really handle tough guys and, and lack of respect kind of guys. Right. Uh, he doesn't necessarily disrespect. He just doesn't respect. He doesn't do either of those. But sorry, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just I don't handle that type of kind of, you know, energy from from an individual uh, that can be, you know, a very difficult uh, pill for me to swallow. Um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, it's that's a that's a sore spot for me real quick. Sure. You know, like, a lack of respect is disrespect, like in my eyes. Right. So, Were yeah. you ever in the military? No, I get that a lot, but no, I wasn't. I, uh, I, um, I was in martial arts young, right. And martial arts, uh, tends to like martial arts instructors. A lot of them, uh, come from like military backgrounds, like their, their dads or, you know, whatever. And that's like why they learned like Kyokushin karate. Cause their dad was like over in Japan, right. Or different things. So, um, I had a very, very, uh, strict, um, you know, sensei, uh, when I was a kid and it was, um, it was, it was very, uh, very heavy, like forcefully, uh, given to you. And it was, it was very respect wise. My dad, like I said, um, he wanted respect, but he didn't show it. So I always like felt like, Oh, like I understood the idea of showing it. And now it's like I flipped the script and I want other people to show it, you know, the way, oh. I, would, the way I would want to receive it. So it's like some people. My mom and my sister are always telling me that, like that's one of the when we first had kids. They're like, Sevon, you have to respect your kids. You have my wife and my and my mom would always pound that into me to respect my kids. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I had a very quickly. People honest. don't realize that you have to respect them. And, and how I do it mostly is I trust them. I give them so I trust the shit out of them and that, and that, and that lets them realize I respect them. Sorry, go on. That's really cool. That That's interesting that you had that. Yeah. Well, and I've, a lot of people, you know, they have their list of the things that, you know, they, they want to do. Right. I had kind of, as a 
parent, in many ways, I had the list of the things I didn't want to do. Right. And um, yeah, ultimately, like my respect comes in the sense that like, I don't treat my kids like kids. They're just smaller people, you know, that I'm like educating. And in many ways, I mean, like kids are fucking perfect. We, we fuck them up. Right. Um, most Feldenkrais, who is somebody I really enjoy reading about, you know, reading the awareness through movement book, you know, he talks about how like, we are like made up of these thirds, you know, and it's like heredity, others experiences, and then your own experiences. Well, like basically like two thirds of like who you are is not even made up of like your own personal choices then. Right. And your own experiences. So you have to respect yourself and and be able to form more personal experiences and have less of other people's experiences put on you that like shape who you are. So you can truly shape yourself and become a unique individual. Have you ever, um, were you ever addicted to drugs? Um, I mean, I smoke a lot of weed, but Um, I don't have have you ever been, I don't have you ever been, go go ahead. ahead, Sorry. Have you ever been suicidal? Um, when I was on Adderall, yeah. And how old, how old were you then? Not like I tried, but well, that's a lie. I, 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 uh, was like thinking I could drive a car into a wall really fast. And I put on my brakes about X yards out and like happened to stop before that wall came. Adderall is a hell of a drug, man. And I, uh, I got off of it through high school and stuff. But then when I got to college, things just got way more intense and I kind of like went back to it. Um, like my 12 year old dose. And I was like, Poof! you know, it was, I was like, I was taking this shit when I was 12. Like what the fuck? Um, and I think I took two in one day, which it was totally like what was prescribed, but I always only took one. And when I was leaving, um, at the time I was in school to be a electrician, I was in the, uh, apprenticeship program for the union and I was leaving school and like the Adderall just crashed. And all of a sudden I felt like suicidal, like, like instantly it was, it was, it was, it was intense, man. And that was the last time I ever took Adderall. I was like that, that shit's the fucking devil. Um, that's when like coffee and L-theanine and a couple other things like, you know, really jumped into my life. Um, you know, it's kind of like making my own Adderall without, you know, the crazy side effects that uh, a drug like that can have. Was that rock? Have you ever hit uh, rock bottom? Man, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I asked because of something. I asked because of something you said you about you talking about Feldenkrais and about this this one third this this one third one third one third makeup of human beings, and and. Um, and I'm just wondering if you've experienced like a, a, a rebirth ever in your life. That's why I was asking this question. Sorry. I know that was a little bit of an abrupt, I don't mean to be callous and that was a little bit of abrupt, um, transition, but no, dude, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't apologize. Okay. So I know I get tired of doing it. Um, you know what it, what it comes down to is when I was, when I was, uh, 22, um, my brother died of a drug overdose in my bed. Older and brother or younger brother? My older brother. And he was 13 years older than me. Huh. And he, was, he was going through, you know, rehab. He had three kids. <laughs> oh, geez. Two boys and a girl who sadly, like, we don't even talk to anymore because of the things that they've done and their own resentment and life, you know, altering 
cognitive <laughs> ways, you know? And, um, when my brother died, I, uh, I definitely like blame myself in many ways. Um, he called me the night before and wanted to talk to me and I was working as a trainer at Bally's, uh, total fitness. And I was trying to get my workout in. I was like, oh, I don't have time to call, you know, talk right now. I'll call you back. And I forgot to call him back. And he wanted me to like take him to a hardware store, but then he like wanted me to like talk to him too. And I just was like, I just had a lot going on. And the next morning I get a call at 5 a.m. My sister just bawling. And, you know, I could barely make out what she was saying. I just knew somebody died. And is she older or younger? She's older. She, okay. she and my brother were like a couple years apart. Okay. You know, and so, and Heidi has always been kind of like the glue of the family. Um, Andy was like the recluse, you know, incredibly talented carpenter, you know, could do anything. I used to call him the magneto of wood, you know, like that was like how I always like talked about him when I was a kid, you know, he could do anything with wood. That's what I call my, that's what I call my, my cock and balls, Magneto Wood also, but and it's different, totally different subject. Totally different story. So the, the, um, the, the, that created like a life altering path for me. What was he doing in your bed if he's 13 years older than you and he has three kids? What was he, what was he doing at your house? So he was staying at my parents, uh, cause he just got out of rehab and he was separated from his wife now. At oh. The time. And he was, I was living somewhere else and my bedroom and everything was still all set up because I was living with my girlfriend. What was your, what was his drug? I mean, anything, man. So he'd have a fifth of vodka down and, and, you know, some opiates by 9am, you know, and I, you know, that's, I mean, I would smoke weed with them and, but I didn't realize that stuff until like, I started like catching on when I was like 21, I worked for him again i had worked for him a bunch when i was younger he gave me my first tool belt i worked for him full-time during the summer of like 94 and 96 and like 95 you know tool belt you know working at job sites eight nine hours a day you know and so when he passed away i heard an ad on a radio and i mean dude like my brother just died and i i couldn't even go see his body like i got in a pushing match with some sheriffs and they almost tasered me because like, I just wanted to go downstairs and see my brother's body. And they said I couldn't because it was effectively a crime scene because he committed suicide. They were trying oh. to rule up you, right? Like, right. Right. Because he overdosed and that's considered suicide. So I still to this, I never got to see him before he was cremated. Everybody else saw him in my family, except for me. And it, like, everybody knows when somebody dies, you need to see like it's closure. It's like that visual confirmation. And I, 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 I was forced to leave my parents' house. So I drove to this like shop. I ended up at like this like little shop because I, I just couldn't drive anymore. And I went inside and I was like looking at this plate and I literally dropped like a $450 plate on the floor. Like I, my hands were like shaking so bad. I was just, and I, I started crying in the store and the woman was like, Oh my God, are you okay? And I, I'm like, and my girlfriend at the time explained what just happened. And you know, we, we offered to pay for it and you know, they wouldn't accept it. And we left and I heard an ad on the radio um, for the tough man. It was the, they were looking for the toughest people in the Midwest to fight in a no holds barred boxing match. 
uh, kickboxing match. And I had always said I was going to do that. And me and my brother, he like is the first one who ever showed me a UFC fight. I remember getting high at his house. I was like 14 years old and watching, you know, UFC on pay-per-view. And he was like, this stuff is so cool. You know, my brother wanted to be like a man's man, but he was like a skinny, lanky, like carpenter, you know, smoked Marlboro's reds and did everything he could to like represent like the ideal of a man, you know? And so I drove to this Harley Davidson dealership and I signed up for this fight tournament. And, you know, three weeks later I fought. Wait, uh, sorry. Can I interrupt you a second? So you're, you're, you're at your house, your parents' house, your brother is dead. You go off somewhere with your girlfriend during that time that you're off with your girlfriend. It's still the same day. You hear something about a fight that's going to be to find the toughest man in the Midwest. And you're like, and you sign up because like, Hey, like uh, that could be like, Tomorrow could be my last day. Life is fucking short, man. Yeah. Like, what? It was that's, that- that's, that's amazing. This is a great story. I'm sorry. Go on. This I mean, is it crazy. Was that day, it was that day that I literally, I knew, you know, I have this saying called earn the day, uh-huh. right? It's something that I've like promoted for a while in the sense of like how I see things. Like you, you have the day you're born, the day, the day you die, everything else in between you better fucking earn. And I, I was not going to let another opportunity or a moment pass me by at the age of 22. I regretted not playing college soccer at the level I knew I could have. At that time, I did question why didn't I not try to go pole vault in college, right? Because I like was just pole vaulting. I was I was teaching this. Um, at the time, I was also coaching a high school girls pole vaulting team. And I like demoed and I could still do like 13-6, you know, at like years later. I was like, I fucking should have went like – there were all these things going through my head and my brother, I see him, somebody who's like trying to succeed a family, all these things. And he's just losing it. It's a spiraling out of fucking control and he dies. And what am I going to do? I'm going to, you know, like I could have been like my, the rest of my family and like buried my head into my family, but I didn't have that connection. I didn't have a husband. I, I didn't have a wife. You know, my sister had husbands and like they had kids and I didn't have that. I had a girlfriend. And at the time I started feeling even disconnected from her because I knew that I had to focus on myself because like that was the only way I was going to like live the life that I needed to live. And all in that instance, I drove to that Harley Davidson dealership and I signed up for that tournament. And I remember them looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. You know? And I was like holding it back. I'm like, I'm I'm ready to fight. (laughs) I'm ready to fucking kill someone. Right. And they're like, are you a, a professional? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, How'd you get that nose? And I looked at the guy and I was like, you got something wrong with my fucking nose? And he's like, no, man, I was just wondering. You just look like a fighter. And I'm like, I've never fought before. I just want to fight. Signing up. So I signed up as a heavyweight. He's like, how much do you weigh? I'm like, 205. He's like, the cutoff is 205. You don't want to like lose a pound and fight lightweight? And I was like, no. First fight I walk into, the kid's six foot four, 200. Were you really 205? Yeah. How tall are you? 5'11". Wow, in none of, in your pictures you look so you look lean and mean. You look like a like a one seventy five guy. Even in all my pictures, I'm two hundred pounds. Holy shit! Okay, sorry. Go yeah. on. Yeah. So you go into the for your first match. How 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 many days after is it after you sign up? Three weeks. It, but going back to your brother real quick, are are you both your parents still alive? Uh, my dad died um, seven years ago of leukemia. 
And, and your mom is still alive? She is. She actually just battled through uh, her second bout of COVID even after getting vaccinated. So go figure. Uh, yeah, go figure. Uh, hey, um, uh, can, can you imagine? Uh, I, I want to hear about this fight, but can you imagine? Um, what? You, I mean, fuck your brother dying. What if your son died? What if your daughter died? Holy oh, I, shit! I know. I know. Holy shit! After my brother died. By, by the way, I, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm going to call my sister and tell her how much I appreciate her. She's one of like my like. You've already uh, accidentally impacted me. I need to, I need to, because she's like one of my biggest fans, and I don't tell her enough, like how much I appreciate uh, her support. Like, like the women in my, the the people in my life really believe in me. My mom, my sister, and my wife. It's crazy. They so believe in me, and I, and I I probably should call my sister and say thank you. Okay, so sorry. So you step into the ring in in in, in, two o five when you could have just not eaten a Twinkie and been two o four. I probably could have just taken a shit and be 200 pounds. You know I mean? I was, <laughs> right. I was, I was 205 cause I force fed myself all the time. I mean, at the, at, just so you know, at the, at the crown of my weight, when I was a fighter in off season, I was 225 to 230 at like wow. 10% body fat. Like I, I, I got pretty big. Um, you know, I, dude, I, I was so mad. I was so sad. I was so every emotion that raged through my body. Were you literally thinking of your brother as you walked in the ring? Oh my God, dude. I felt bad for the first three people that fought me. You know, like I first dude, I not, first dude, I literally come out, he's six foot four, 260 pounds. <laughs> I came up, I pulled his hands down and just went boom, full everything, full ass. I knocked him the fuck out in one punch. He like, I mean, I'm talking like big. 17 ounce gloves that we're fighting with, with headgear. And I knocked this guy unconscious. Damn. I was just like, I was just, and I just remember letting out this scream. I was just like, ah! just like everybody went fucking nuts when I screamed. Cause nobody knew what I was going through. The right. only people that knew was a small crew of individuals that was, um, that was like up there, like cheering for me. My dad came in the back. I had to have him like, verbally removed from security because they were like trying to get me to not fight you know and i was like look dad i'm doing this for me i'm not gonna fucking die Wait, up until you're getting in the ring your dad's trying to talk you out of fighting T totally yeah they never this is crazy me. yeah they never supported it man i i had him like i said you know i had him physically removed by security i was just like i was like can somebody please get this guy out of here they're like he said he was your dad i'm like he is but i want him fucking gone Right. You know, I'm like, he's not a fighter. He's not my corner. Get him out. Right. And they, they, they moved him out, you know, and, and they left. They didn't even stay to watch the fight. You know, I, I fought three fights. I lost my third fight. And, um, I felt like, you know, I felt like ashamed because like my whole reason for doing it was I was going to, like, I was going to win for my brother. Like I was going to do this. This was like something that I had to do. Is that him on top, Ryan, in that video? Holy shit. Wow. He just showed a video of you just mashing this dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, not that sure. Oh, that poor guy. Yeah, man. He he didn't want any piece of this when he saw me at the weigh-ins. He was like, what the fuck? You know, I mean, I looked like no other 185er at the time. You know, I was like, I'd come in at 185 pounds, 5% body fat. I looked like a, I just looked like a thin bodybuilder, like a small bodybuilder. Like an action figure. 
Right. And then I, and you, and you have great footwork and you have crazy good footwork. You, I mean, you're, you're an, you're, you really are an amazing athlete. It, um, quick digression. You said you grew up doing karate, soccer, and gymnastics for anyone who's listening. If there's three things you could put your kids in, uh, it, it would be a martial arts. It would be soccer and be gymnastics. The soccer will help you build the metabolic capacity in a certain way. The, the combat sport will also help you, but also allow you to defend yourself and defend other people. And then gymnastics is just great body control. And then the only thing you need after that is maybe like a cooking class or a dance class. So you can attract mates and bingo. You're the perfect mate, whether you're a man or a woman. That's my life, bro. That's my life. Dance, (laughs) fight, run, backflip. Do that shit and you will get dick and pussy your whole life and it'll be great. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, and and the intimacy part, the intimacy part you won't ever get unless you go through the shit that uh, Mr. Uh, Rothfelder has gone through. That's unfortunately, you got to go through a lot of pain in order to really appreciate intimacy yeah. with people for sure you I do know people will tell you there's another way but i don't think there is they're lying no i uh i i think anybody that i've met you know i i not no just you drink no like no. no that's that was kind of my that's kind of my one thing like i can't i don't even like really watching movies where people have like drinking addictions because it's still like something with my brother because that was kind of like the main thing and then the drinking always led to the drugs, but it was always like the drinking that kicked it always off. So for me, I don't really trust people who get drunk. I don't. I'm like, you have something that you're not confronting in yourself that you're trying to like push down with like a bottle, right? And like, I have a sensor inside myself after like three, four beers where I'm like loose. I'm like, I'm good. Like I'm way good. Like, and I don't need to drink again for a while. You know, it's like, it's very, it's celebratory, like with people, maybe me and my wife will get one beer at the gas station on our way home on a Friday or a a Wednesday because it's midweek or end of the week kind of thing. We're like, Oh, let's have a beer. It's always a letdown too, isn't it? It really is. Cause usually I fart a lot afterwards and my stomach hurts. I prefer honestly rolling a joint Going bowling. This is my little bowling pin. You know, um, I, I enjoy that. That's a pipe. That's like a pipe. Yeah, it's a, oh. it's a, it's a stone. It's stoneware. It's super cool. Um, made in Colorado, uh, but it looks like a bowling pin. Um, so it's like, hey, honey, want to go bowling? Uh, you know, that's our, that's our code. You word. don't, you, you like how you, you like getting. Doesn't getting stone just make your brain too, too like active? Um. Not like, really. Like think too much? Uh, no, it actually like narrows, it, it channels my thoughts, right? So because I like, I've, I've worked with some of like the coolest entrepreneurs in, you know, in America. Like I trained YG, the rapper. I trained Blake Mikoski, the founder of Tom's. Like I've, I've trained, you know, some people that are very creative people. And I put their creativity like, like I, like my brain doesn't stop right on the creative side. That is like everything I know. And weed helps me take that creativity and like channel it so I can actually put it into, so I can implement it. Right. Can you give me an example of that? How so? Uh, just like what that like. So, um, so okay. For, of course. So I'll, I'll concept a marketing idea um, of like the idea of like, and this is usually when I'm high, right. I'll concept a marketing idea 
in my mind and I'll visually unpack it like one of those exploded images you see of like a part that has like a thousand parts in it. And I'll literally see every single part in my head and I'll call my assistant and I'll verbally walk them through how I see every single part without even writing it down. And I can just do this on a walk and I can be highly efficient by not having to write it all down and, and, and mind map it all and try to figure it out because it's like, I already see it. Like I'm at the end of it at the beginning of it. Like I see the end result and every piece that it has inside of it because like I'm transcending beyond like the, the plane, like I'm going into like the next fucking timeline. Like we're all just like riding these like timelines and there is a timeline that's one year from now. There's a timeline six months from now that exists in this plane. And I just go to that plane. I pluck it from the sky and I'm like, this is how it fucking looks. And I just verbally vomit it out. And then just kind of reverse engineer it. And then I just reverse engineer it. Right. Exactly. With- like, like, like what would that be? Like, so like some sort of new product for strong coffee. Totally. Like, so every product for strong coffee that I've ever made, I've never written down. I had the formula in my mind. I worked through the, I worked through every article that I've ever read about, you know, L-theanine and, you know, caffeine and the pairings and ergogenics with, you know, you know, with, uh, you know, epinephrine and, and adrenaline release and like what the, you know, paired amount, ethical amount of, you know, dopamine, serotonin, uh, precursors you would need to like mitigate any negative effects of that caffeine, right? Like all these things are just like flowing in when you get yourself to a place where these other things, these ancillary things don't exist much. Like, like Instagram is like the killer of the high, right? Like I need to stay away from other people's thoughts, other people's bullshit, and just like go for a walk and I'll have a billion ideas that supersede like anything I could have came up with sitting in an eight hour session, try to trying to like dry write it on a board. Well, this is what I think the pen slows you down, man. Like it does. It, it slows down the flow. Right. So it's like, if you can just tap in, well, that's like, honestly, it's a hippie speedball. I take, I, I, I have a strong coffee in the morning. I smoke a bowl. And for three hours, I'm in hyper creative super space. Do you, right? um, that's, I'll, I'll, and I'll like, I'll call my marketing company and I'll be like, I got this idea. This is how it's going to be. Blah, 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 you know? And they're like, did you just come up with that? You know? And it's like, they're like starting to know who I am now. They're right. like, they're like, okay, we need to like put a cork on it because you have too many ideas. So now they gave me like a, a note taker that I'm just calling these ideas and they're just writing them in Rolodexes. And ultimately it's like, that is what marketing is. You have to come up with just more ideas because you have to just keep throwing them at the wall and see what sticks in a, in a, in a, in a space where things are shifting so fast. Like people say like the idea of like, um, Oh, you have to be agile. It's like, no, you have to be dynamic. Like you have to be dynamic in a space right now to stay in front when it comes what's the, what's but before I ask you the difference, I want to just uh, say one thing. There's this um, book. It's called on writing and it's the only nonfiction that Stephen King's ever um, written. And oh, cool. if you, if you haven't read it, I think you would be fascinated by it. It talks about his creative process and Holy shit. You said some shit that I think will really, um, it, it, he, he says some stuff that'll really resonate with you because it seems like you've already, you, you already are aware of those things, but it's called on writing and it's by Stephen King. And it is, I, 
it should be required reading for all for it for everybody. It's it's Maybe it's self read it because you just told me now to to read it. Right? <laughs> downloading it, man. I'm just downloading it. So 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 tell me what's the difference between um dynamic and agile? Well, agile has the ability to move, right? Like any if you're agile, you can shift. But if you're dynamic, you can shift in a way that is explosive, right? So it's like a lot of people shift in business and then it's like it's like a new start. But if you're dynamic and you shift, you're in the you're you're halfway there, right? It's kind of like a like a it's kind of like a euro with a game with a gather step, right? You know, it's like in basketball, it's like being able to like take three steps in one, right? It's that's like what dynamic is, where it's like players in like the seventies they were agile, but I don't think that the players in the seventies with their athletic ability could have taken the euro step and like adopted it as quick as like the athletes have today. I don't know right? what that is. What's a euro step? I don't know what that is. A Euro step. Oh, maybe. Sound, yeah. Ryan looks like he's going to pull up a video. Is yeah, it a Ryan dance move? No. So a Euro step is what basketball players could do in Europe, but they couldn't do in the NBA. And basically it's like you could take two steps with a gather step off the same foot, which basically becomes like three steps, which is why LeBron James always looks like he's traveling. Right. That's and, why and can you do it now in the NBA? Yeah, now it's legal because of LeBron James. He was, he was honestly like, I have this whole theory that the NBA was built, rebuilt around LeBron James being successful, you know, and being like the superstar that he is. He's a very talented player, but he's a baby. And he's a cunt. He, he is, is a, a world class cunt. He's I, a, I don't know shit about basketball, but I will tell you his thought process. He's a disease to humanity. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of him in any way. Uh, but like they gave him the ability to travel. They gave him like, they took away like the elbow. Like you can't like bump anybody with that elbow. Like you. this motherfucker to. sells Sprite. Oh dude. I know it's this motherfucker sells Sprite. He sells to poison to kids. Dude, he is true. a piece of shit. Sorry. I, was, I, I, I could go that. off about how, what a bad, 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 bad person is. And he wants to argue other, he, he's made a profession out of arguing other people's limitations when he's worked so hard to get where he is. Him, Oprah, a bunch of these fuckers at the top, they have their fucking foot on society's neck. And I'm all for billionaires and people being successful. Sorry. He's a vile, vile, diseased man. You know who he he deserves to have his ass beat. I'm Cena. John Cena is a fucking mm -hmm. disease, bro. Like the oh, fact that, that he, he recently apologized for something that he did that was not he, a big deal at he all. Apologized. He apologized for calling Taiwan a country to the CCP, the, the Communist of China Party, the CCP, because the CCP pays him so much money for being in movies and shit. He was like, "Oh, I didn't mean to call Taiwan a country." It's like you fuck. It is a country. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Like. China doesn't want to call it a country. That's why you see mixed reviews on the internet, but it is a country, right? It's like, nuts. It is nuts. Absolutely I understand wanting to do stuff to get paid either, but you know what's really disgusting. But at when, least be honest. At least be honest. Say, hey, guys, I still think Taiwan's a country, but I got to take that back because I am a sellout. I, I would respect that. Oh, dude, I'd LeBron James. That. LeBron James pulled down a Twitter that was about like something going on in China, and they like. He pulled that shit down immediately. He said something about like how it was unfair, like people being pulled out of their businesses and by the CCP. And somebody must the NBA must have called them and said, "Hey, this is China. Um, you need to take that tweet down immediately." 
And uh, and that's what happened. You know, it's just it, the it NBA, just, Major League Baseball and the NFL are some. Of, I can't believe the, the vile racism, hatred and weakness that they project and that they get away with it as as, as the opposite. It's 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 mind boggling to me how how dupe so many people are. It's crazy. It, oh, yes. it, 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 they're giant codependent uh, organizations. They, they, they make, they bring the worst out of people. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. They, they nurture weakness. They nurture and, and proliferate weakness. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. All I, all I wanted to say was that uh, Steph Curry, uh, he, he had sponsored deals that he could have done with Sprite, you know, any, any soda company. Uh, and he chose to do uh, a sponsorship with Brita. So the Brita oh. water filter. And so I just want to say like with LeBron choosing to do Sprite and stuff, like Steph Curry chose to do Brita water. And I just thought it was a really cool little thing there. So Nice work, Steph Curry. Nice wow, work. I'm having a deja vu. I'm having a deja vu. Hey, man. I Look, when Travis Scott started talking about McDonald's, I, I couldn't even listen to his music anymore again. I was like, no, fuck that. I'm like, you're getting kids to buy like this shit. Like I, I can't get with that. Like it, it, it perplexes me. You know, people think I'm crazy for loving Kanye, you know, and it's like, I don't see Kanye, I don't see Kanye doing this stupid shit. He's like talking about God and, you know, other things that, hey man, the guys. Are you a God guy? Dude, of course, man. There's a, there's a, there's a higher power that is than I and uh, than government. And um, you could call it God, faith, you know, religion. Um, I don't feel like I need to pray and go to a church and do all this stuff. Uh, you know, as, as, as many, you know, do, um, to like show their love. It's kind of like, in some way, I kind of see that more like virtue signaling. Like if you're like, Oh, you have to go to church, you like to show your love. It's like, well, do you really like, if God is inside us and I honor him and I try to do good to, for man. Right. And I try to do good for myself. Like, and I, and I, and I think about the higher things and that some things are beyond me, but in control of something else. And like that comforts me in some manner, then yes, God is something I believe in, you know? And that's, that's uh it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause I've never been religious. I left catechism class. I told my catechism class, fuck off. I'm leaving. Like I, I refused to get communion by my parents. Like I was the only kid who didn't go through communion. I was like, I'm not fucking going. I'm like, every time you drop me off, I'm just going to leave and go to my friend's house. Oh, oh, do you have a, a, a go-to? Like, do you, do you read anything? Like, do you, do you have a Bible? Do you have a, a Tao Te Ching? Do you have a Quran? Do you have a, a spirit? Do you listen to Feldenkrais? Do you Krishnamurti? Like, do you have a, I listen to, um, you know, honestly, like someone that helps you connect or something that helps you. Yeah, connect. For sure. Um, one Alan Watts. Uh-huh. So I, I, you know, and, and you could, you know, he's a theologist and a nihilist, you know, I mean, he's all these things, which I think in many ways I am like, I'm a contrarian, right? Like I truly, Oh am. my God, you would love Greg Glassman. It's <laughs> so funny. It's so, I hope you run into him at a Starbucks. Oh no, not a Starbucks. Sorry. That would That's be sacrilege. I hope you run. They're all shutting down Starbucks. They're like closing 500 stores to just turn them into pickup, pickup locations. Because everybody's prescribing to the fear metric that's happening. And they're like, oh, we're not going to have coffee shops anymore. It's going to be pickup locations. Crazy enough. I, I used to go to Starbucks every single day. And, and as soon as the pandemic hit, I've never been back once. And I'm so glad it broke me of it. I'll never go somewhere where they fucking do with. 
crazy enough, three years ago, I predicted when I was sitting in, when I was sitting in the ocean, my angel investor for strong coffee took me surfing. He got me a surfboard as a gift, took me surfing. And we were talking in the water and he was like, why do you think strong coffee will be successful? And I said, for the exact reason, for the exact opposite reason that Howard Schultz said that Starbucks would be successful. So I believed three years ago that there wasn't going to be a time for it. So Howard Schultz, when he started Backstep, when Howard Schultz started Starbucks with the help of the Gates family, he said that Starbucks would be the third place. He wanted to create the third place. So home, work, the third place. Starbucks wow. is going to be that third place, right? And it became that place, the way they modeled it. People yep, would hang yep. out there, spend time clean there. Bathroom. Right? right, exactly. A clean bathroom, like all these things that matter. Um, Electrical you know, outlets. In a coffee, yeah, working outlets, Wi-Fi, right? They made it the third place. Now they are taking away the third place. I said three years ago that I didn't believe the third place would exist anymore. I believe that like it was going to be taken away from us and that we were going to be fo- forced and focused on maybe the first and second place. And if not, and, and if in many cases, not even the second place anymore, as you see, as I'm working from my home, which we're not fully moved into yet. So there might be a little bit of a mess. We only moved down to here about three weeks ago. So uh, that was my prediction. Like I, I said that and Ben uh, Goldhirsch, my angel investor, he thought that was really profound. He was like, are you a Jew? Are you Jewish? <laughs> you are the second podcaster in this week that is interviewing me asking if I'm Jewish. Um, so no, I am not my, uh, but Hirschberger is a Jew. Gold Hirsch. Yes, he is a Jew. Gold yes, Hirsch. Gold Hirsch. Um, Gold yeah, he's a really, everyone nice needs a good Jew in their life. Jesus. <laughs> if you don't have a good Jew in your life, you are fucking up. Are you Jewish? No, but my wife is, and my boys are. Okay. I was going to say, the only way you can say that is if you're usually like Jewish or married to a Jewish person. Oh, yeah. I use them as cover all the time. I throw the Jew word around all the time. I got three Jew boys and a Jew wife, and I'm living the dream. I'm living living the the dream. 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 We, um, my, my, for, for, for some reasons I don't want to get into, uh, uh, nefarious deeds. We got one of my kids, 23 and Mead. We used a fake name, of course. And uh, I, when he's 51% Ashkenazi and uh, 49% Armenian, I was like, holy shit. That's the, cool. Eugenics at its finest. He's the perfect, perfect human, human being. I, yes. I found out that we weren't German. We thought we were always German. My, we came from Germany, but I'm tr- pretty sure that my family kind of changed some things up uh, to stay, a, stay, stay a, you know, at a certain level of class or something of nature. Uh, but there was definitely very to little, no German in us at all. <laughs> what is, what is, what is Rothfelder? What is, I mean, so that's Dutch Vaughn Rothfelder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is the so, Vaughn always the giveaway? Like if they, if like, if it's all uppity, you got an uppity name like that, you know, it's Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just means of the, it just means of the, so it's like usually like land ownership from like times of like nobility and, and Savon Vaughn Matosian. Oh, that's oh, that's a mouthful, brother. That's a mouthful. <laughs> you know, getting, getting I can do it. Getting to the uh, I want to jump back a half second when you were talking about um, Alan Watts, God. Yeah, the Alan Watts and God and everything. You know, it's it's really interesting, like how it really you know started coming about for me was like the more that I did um, psychedelics, right, and connected with nature 
that I felt the greater connection with God, which is kind of like in a way um, counterintuitive, right, to what you would think of most people that do drugs, right? Um, it, it, it's really interesting, but it's 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 not saying it's count. It's actually counterintuitive because it's actually intuitive, like connecting with nature, using nature to connect with nature. But I think that the general populace or what like media, popular media would have you think is that it is counterintuitive. Like it doesn't like, oh, like a, a good Christian wouldn't do that, you know, to themselves. I'm like, yo, like didn't Jesus disappear between 16 and 33? Like he could have gotten to some shit. Like there could have been some really good things that were happening in that time that that dude connected, you know, and I don't even know like about that stuff. I'm right now listening to the King James Bible just to understand more about it. I mean, but these motherfuckers are talking about like how people live to be like hundreds of years old before the great flood. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, you know, uh, this, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't uh, get this. Like, how is anybody living to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old? So I'll give you this mod, this model. Um, I can be mean and spiteful. I was very mm-hmm. blown away by that in the King James Bible. Like, I was, I was like, and they wanted me to learn about this shit. I'm like, fuck, we're killing people in this thing, you know, and then killing them over and over again for one mistake they made. I'm like, I thought this guy was supposed to be forgiving. I'm like, this doesn't seem very forgiving, you know, and like the whole Cain and Abel story, it's like judgment at its finest. It's literally like prejudging somebody and their greatness based on who they are pre to what they've done. Right. So, and it formed an opinion. It's, it's, it kind of like lends itself to African-American culture and like how they say certain things like, Oh, they can't do this because they're black. And it's like, wait, no, like we were having a conversation at our dinner table last night and the word black was mentioned. And my daughter eight years old goes, I don't like that word. Like, why do we have to define them in that nature? And I go totally right. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. I've always called them, you know, African-American right? When I'm going to talk about something like in that nature, because like, they're not black, right? And like, you're not white and she's not brown. Like, you know, there's these like, these like things that we use to, to divide, like divisive, divisive things, right? That are said, and then we, we repeat. And because it starts to become culturally normal. But I remember very, I remember very strictly with my friend hanging out with a group of my friends. And I grew up in a very I grew up in a very, I had a lot of black friends, a lot of African-American friends, a lot of Mexican friends, brown friends, whatever anybody wants to call them at this point in time in nature. And I remember having a conversation with them and they are like, yeah, we don't like that. Like, that's not like how we would call. I'm like, totally like it. Like why would somebody do that? You know, why would that become the thing that, you know, I'm just perplexed. And maybe you got an answer for that, man. Maybe you got something to add to that because it blows me away. I want I want to go back to the God thing real quick here. There's this there's this Taoist saying that stop thinking and all your problems will go away. And the reason why I asked you when you hit, and then there's a book that another book that might interest you. It's written by a guy named P.D. Auspensky. He's a mathematician from the turn of the century, and he wrote this book. It's called I think it's called The Possible Evolution of Psychology. But 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 basically going to the drug use. Um, When 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 someone hits uh, rock bottom, in my definition, is when is is 
basically when your brain basically comes to a standstill it, it, like think of your think of your identity as this egg right it's just a circle think of your identity as a circle and there's it's it's a checkerboard full of all of these i statements within that circle does that make sense so thousands of, of i statements i'm adam i'm i'm rothfelder i'm hungry i'm thirsty i'm buff i'm skinny i'm fat i'm insecure i'm a father and it's all of these i statements they're just ideas they're all bullshit they're just lies we tell ourselves to navigate the world. And I don't mean that in any pejorative or negative way. It's cool to have all those lies. It's cool. Run with them. They're fun, right? I'm Sevan. I'm Armenian. I have Jewish kids. I have a computer. I have a podcast. It's all just these things. And when you finally, when you are not attacked, when those things all vanish from your inside your egg through uh, either drugs or through a very, very strict regimented practice, um, you that vessel becomes empty and when your vessel is completely empty is only the only time that you mesh with god and because the vessel has to be completely empty to perceive god that's why whenever anyone i never whenever anyone says they believe in god i find it as a tragedy because but when you believe something that means you have something in, to me with the use of the words you have something in that vessel you have a perception of god and you can have no perception of god there's only two steps like you either know god or you don't know god and when you right. know god you're experiencing god because he's completely filled your vessel because you've abandoned it with all of your i statements you gave reprieve through a practice to, and to let god like enter you and use you as as that vessel and, and that's the, the weird part about God because it's all there's also this Tao is saying that naming is the origin of all particular things, and God is not a particular thing. As Eckhart Tolle would say, God is no thing, yes. which is different than nothing. Nothing. So, and, and and drugs are fascinating for that. The scary part is, is you you you. So you can be on LSD and your vessel can go empty and you can experience God, but then you actually, in my through my personal experience you have to then move away from those drugs and start a practice to be able to manually empty that like you got you, you took the shortcut there now you need a practice to start totally. um to start being able to get there without the drugs I, well, I think that's, it's like, that's my I experience yeah i mean i think like drugs are like gps but after you drive there like once or twice like you don't really need to use your phone anymore right so it's like that's kind of like what that's how drugs should be used. I haven't, I haven't done a large dose of a hallucinogen in three years. You know, I haven't, I've, I've microdosed, uh, you know, small amounts of mushrooms, almost more for like productivity reasons. Um, but not, uh, needing them, you know, to like access a place. Uh, cause I did the work earlier on and like immediately, like when my brother died, I did the work. When my dad died, I did the work, you know, mm. I went, I went through it, you know, I, my dad died and I did mushrooms with three of my very good friends and Ooh. went, walked through the woods. And I had a conversation with my dad for what seemed to be like three hours when we were fly fishing. And they said, I was standing there staring at the river for like three minutes, you know? Wow. And, it like, and it was just, it was, you know, I knew that things were going to be all right. And I finally stopped seeing like my dad, I would like see him like walking across the street you know, like, because like a guy that looked like him and it would like be him for a half a second. But it was like, after that experience, I stopped having those experiences. And I started just like living my life, knowing that he was like, still here. Right. Um, you know, cause, uh, we don't go anywhere. I think we don't. Yeah. We don't go anywhere. 
Adam, we didn't get to any of my two pages of notes. We're an hour and 35 minutes in. I like this that fire Matt Murphy. A fire what? a couple at me. Fire a couple at me. I'll answer them quick. You fire them at me. Okay. Uh, how do you have the balls to start your own business? How does how does strong coffee get started? Talcum powder. Um, <laughs> you just put talcum powder in a bag and start selling it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's you put it on your balls and you fucking go to work. Oh, uh, I'll tell you a crazy story. So I was at the beach the other day and someone's like, hey, just put talcum powder on your kids and it'll get the sand to fall off. I'm like, okay. And I thought it was talcum powder that I had in my van, but it was foot powder. And I sprayed it all over my kids' balls. Oh, no. And it was like some aloe vera foot powder shit. And they all started screaming, my penis burns, my penis burns. Dude, it was the worst thing I've ever done as a father. I swear to fucking God, I wanted to fucking just. I felt horrible. Horrible. That's good. That's good. Um, so don't do that. Yeah. Um, so if you want to start a company, don't do that. Don't put, um, don't put foot powder on your kids' cock and balls. Not a new product idea. Um, so I started, this is how I did it. Um, very, very quick pitch on it. I hit a glass ceiling with training. I was, I was charging $200 an hour. I'm training the coolest people. I'm working as many hours as you could fucking work in a day and still see your family. And I was not seeing my family enough. That motivated me beyond fear to do something right. I had an incredible idea and I believed in myself that I could take this idea and make it something in three months. I went from a concept to investment to the product being man starting manufacturing. And I haven't looked back in two months, three months, three months. And now you're in whole foods. And now we're launching globally in Whole Foods October over the course. Congratulations, of by the way. Thank you, man. I mean, that's I, like that. Like it doesn't really matter, truly matter, but it is in the most superficial sense. Um, you got a date with the hot chick. Dude, for sure. It's, man. it's so it's so it doesn't say anything about your product. It really doesn't. I don't I don't mean to act, but. But like if I was selling coffee and I got into Whole Foods, I would be fucking like totally. beside myself. I would be doing backflips. It really is getting a chance to go out with the hot girl. It's really cool. Like a lot of people, it, it's what everyone wants to do once. I love in the movie Hitch when Will Smith says uh, to Kevin James, he's like, you got her on a date. You did this. You did that. Now it's your job not to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but you know what? Like, but you know what? Even yeah. if you do fuck it up, it doesn't make your product any better or worse. Like totally. for, for all you know, the hot chick might not might not be cool at all. But still, totally. you got it. And I and I I really appreciate. It's like going to your vac favorite vacation spot and then realizing, like your whole life, you wanted to go to Hawaii and then you go there and you're like, this is kind of dumb. I don't like humidity. I mean, that's not me, <laughs> but I'm saying, uh, right. it's okay. But it's still cool. You got to go. It's so awesome. I'm so fucking excited for you. Thanks, man. I mean, it's been, it's been wild. We, you know, we, I've, it's been me and one full-time employee, uh, that have like brought it this far. My wife has helped, you know, intermittent times where she can, and she's been a lot of help at certain points. Like Mrs. She, at Mrs. Von Rothfelder. At Mrs. Von Rothfelder. She did like all the fulfillment, um, out of our house for like six months. We like converted our whole house into a warehouse, basically like the whole downstairs was just boxes. And, you know, we were like living in a 2000 square foot house and we only had two bedrooms to use for our, for me and the kids and my wife, just because we, we were like bootstrapping it, right? Like over the course of three years, I raised $1.2 million 
to get this business to a place that I could launch like this and, and build scale and bootstrapping it. Like I've communicated with investors that are like, you should write a fucking book. Like I've never seen somebody hit reach numbers like this, a state like this launching globally in whole foods on only this much money in a time like this, right? Like other people that are just like launching products have 2.5 million in the bank, like day one. Like I took 140,000 for the first six months. I spent 80,000 of it on product and the rest of it, I helped pay myself so I could actually start focusing on the business. But for like the first four months, I was still training and running the business on my cell phone. Like, Can you imagine like, the lessons your kids are learning too from watching my, daddy start a business? My kids are – Azalea, she, she's kind of like a little – like kind of a little too cool. But she, she – she, you can hear it in her voice that she's listened to me close, you know, half a million dollar raises, right? Like you can hear it in her – like the way she talks. Arrow, my youngest, you can definitely hear it. We've actually been getting emails from the school that she could be a little pushed back. She could push back a little bit on stuff. And I'm like, I know my kid, if she's pushing back on something, it's because you're probably fucking up somehow, like in some way, because my kid kid, like is like, she pushes back. She's like the one who stands up for her big sister. You know, like this karate teacher, like was like being like, I was about to grab my kid and say, we're done. And arrows like she said, Azalea. You know, and like, like stood up for her sister and like got in the karate teacher kind of like in her, like not in her face, but like was like, I mean, it's a six year old. She can't get into an adult's face, but you know what I mean? She was yes, like, yes. My kids like, stand up for each down. other. It's crazy. This, this is a big person. I'm a little person. You're, you know, like adult child. That's a bullshit kind of concept, right? Like, because then you, you don't respect them as a person. You, you treat them as a child. It's like, these are people who just don't know as much as we do, but in some ways they know far more than us. Right. So that's how you have the balls to launch a company. Um, why don't I just have you back on sometime? Let's do it, man. Okay. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I really enjoyed you. Dude. I really did. I, uh, I, I, are you coming to the rogue invitational by chance? No, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so unless someone sends their private jet to come get me and fly me over there. But it's the, the odds of that seem very, very, very slim. Are you headed over there? <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, it's 11-11. You could make a wish on that. Um, I am going there. So we're in Austin. It's being held in Austin. It's going to be a really big event. Um, I just went and checked out the site. Uh, we're actually building strong coffee cafes, like two temporary cafes actually in the stadium. Um, and like going to sell full size cups of coffee and kind of present ourselves, you know, as the, you know, the, the, the true coffee of, uh, of this space, um, as like, really like you've experienced it. Like it's like, it's better than regular coffee because it's better. You know, it's not, it's not just beans and water. It's, it's nutrients. It's things that you feel a certain way. It tastes a certain way. And, you know, We've reimagined everything else in our life. Why wouldn't we reimagine coffee? Oh, I love it. Uh, and, and Bill and Katie throw, God damn, they do good work, man. Oh, dude, I agree. think Rogue Invitational is going to be insane. Like the stadium, I agree. the stadium is going to be beautiful. Um, it's in Round Rock. The weather is going to be beautiful. And then uh, like what, like two months after is like Wadapalooza or three months after. So it's, it's, it, it should be, uh, should be interesting, you know? 
Austin and Florida or Texas and Florida holding it down on the, uh, on the events. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Ryan, thank you, Adam. My bladder is going to pop. Dude, mine too. I thought it was just me. 